Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291 6901. And we are live and in person today. There you go. After being out for a couple of weeks. So. Missing a couple of weeks of Thanksgiving and holidays. You know, this time of year, we tend to miss a few shows because of the holidays. Sure. The way AGCO works is that each person there is a specialist in his own field. And so everybody there is pretty much mission critical. Correct. When one guy goes out, we can sort of kind of fill in the gaps, but it really long, puts in a hardship. Yeah, as long as it's just for a day or so. But. Right. But when you've got all these people with all this vacation time, it just it's a whole lot more economical, economical for us just to have we shut the shop and everybody goes at one time. Correct. That way we come back, we're ready to run 100%. So with all of us gone, there's nobody here to do the show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we go to the Top Secret Ag Co. archives and pull up a pre-recorded show. And, of course, if you ever need some information on whatever and we're not having a live show. That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. That's right. Couldn't be easier. And I see we've got a couple of calls been holding. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. I have two questions. You bet. I have a 2004 Chevrolet Impala with about 95,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. and it's been pretty well maintained, but uh, recently it's when it's sat in the carport for a couple of days when you start it up and start driving it, it whines specifically when it goes around corners, both right and left, mm-hmm. and uh, shortly thereafter it seems to dissipate significantly when you've driven it for a while and things get warmed up. So kind of wondering what the problem might be Does there. Does it sound kind of like a power steering whine, like you turn a steering wheel and kind of kind of noise? Um, yeah, maybe. It's, it's difficult to say. Yeah, that sounds like power steering, Doug. And I tell you, power steering noises of any kind are going to be a lot more prevalent in this colder weather that we're having right now. So in the last, I guess, what, last month or so, the weather's gotten significantly cooler than it was. During the summer, when it's 9,500 degrees, you may not ever hear it because the fluid's a lot thinner, the pressures are lower, and so on. But that's generally something that comes on this time of year. Now, a couple of things I would recommend to you is that if you've never changed the power steering fluid, that is super falling down easy. You can do it yourself, and it has some chance of fixing it. Now, clearly, if the pump is going bad, it's not going to fix it, but... A lot of times, just changing the fluid will help considerably. The second thing is, GM has a fluid called cold weather fluid. And you might send me an email, and I'll see if I can look up the part number for you, because if you go to the average dealership, they're not going to know what you're talking about. But they've got a fluid called cold weather fluid, and it's specifically for that. It's formulated for that. And it's designed for colder weather than we have in South Louisiana, but it works well here. But to change that fluid, all you need to do is to just go to a little reservoir with something like a turkey baster and just suck out as much as you can get out. Don't worry about every little bit, but get as much out as you can. Refill it with the fresh fluid. Go drive it about 20 minutes. Come back and do it again. And the more times you do it, the more you're going to get out. But normally, if you do it two or three times, you're going to get a significant amount out. It's probably going to make some difference for you. But that is the most common thing that I can think of, particularly if it occurs when you're turning the wheel. You don't hear it too much when you're driving straight. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second question is, I think the uh, 04 Impalos have been recalled for some kind of an oil leak. Yeah, they did. Right. 
wonder if you knew anything about that. I have yeah, it's a, a valve cover gasket leak, and right now, if you bring it in, they're just going to tell you they don't have a remedy for it. I'm not sure what's going on with Jim and a lot of those guys now. I think they issue a recall to avoid litigation when they know they've got a problem. But what we've seen recently, like in the last year, they'll issue a recall with a bulletin saying no remedy at this time or no remedy found. Right. What the bullet says is don't park it in your garage. Yeah, don't park in your garage because your car might catch fire and burn right. the house down. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, I think that's par- probably overstated, and they're trying to avoid liability. But what it is, they've had that problem for years and years and years. I want to say this is maybe the third recall on this. But the valve cover gaskets leak, and because the oil can run out onto the exhaust manifold, it could theoretically catch fire. Probably not a great deal of chance of that, but it is a possibility. So they tell you don't park the car under your carport, don't park it in your garage. And it's I guess one day they're going to have to fix it, but up till now they haven't done a whole lot about it. All right, great. I appreciate right. your help. You guys keep up the good work. Well, good. Thank Th- you. Thanks for calling, Doug. Bye. Bye-bye. Alright, two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number if you want to be part of the automotive fire. We always love hearing from you. And we're going to lines with George. Good morning, George. Good morning. Uh I'm calling concerning a, a new car that I purchased from Mercedes. Uh-huh. It's a C C class. I now have I got it in April and I have uh, ten thousand miles on it. But the problem is that I'm getting these continuous click offs when I go fill up and mm-hmm. what Mercedes is telling me is that I've got a gas nozzle problem. There's, there's a specific gas nozzle out there that will reject if I use it. Well, does uh, it happen? Have you heard anything about this? No, I don't work on European cars, George, so I probably wouldn't have heard about it. But does it do it when you do it at different gas stations? Yes. That doesn't sound reasonable to me. Now, I know I have seen this problem with cars across the board, and it's always a problem in the evaporative emission system of some sort. For instance, there is a system that draws fumes out of the gas tank. And if that system is malfunctioning, what will happen is that pressure will build in the tank. Now, when you go to add fuel to the tank when you dump 20 gallons of gas into this tank 20 gallons of air has to come out and it has to come out of that nozzle and what happens if you start to build up some pressure in the tank it will push gas back up the nozzle when it hits the end of that dispensing nozzle it's going to cut off right that sounds more like the problem are you getting a check engine light of any kind no no not not yet i think i would hold their feet to the fire on that because if you go to an Exxon and do it, and then you go to a Shell and do it, and you might just look at the type of pumps. I mean, Gil Barco makes just about all right. the pumps. I was going to say, they're if, all about the same. If they told me that a certain nozzle will do it, I'd say, okay, what kind of nozzle doesn't do it? Right, and, and they've identified that. Two out of the three that are out there, they've identified as... Uh, working okay but but i have the same problem with those too yeah exactly yeah, so then i would sounds like an I would, yeah that sounds like an excuse to me i think what i would do if you brought it back a couple of times and you haven't gotten any satisfaction the next thing you need to do is try to contact a zone manager or just go to the dealership and say look i want to speak with a zone manager i've got right. a very expensive car here it takes me 30 minutes to fill it with fuel i'm not happy i'd like to right, speak with right. a zone manager about this beyond that you can go send a letter or an email or even try to make a phone call to mercedes of america direct and none of that does any good of course you've you've got a number of other options one thing that i find works pretty well if you'll go on some type of a forum that is a pretty big forum like mercedes owners forum and lodge a complaint those guys like to read those a lot because they don't want consumers seeing those complaints sometimes you can get a response like that faster than you can any other way Okay. Just go down and lodge a complaint on, on one of the big forums. I mean, that's putting it out. Put it on Facebook or whatever. Right. Believe me, they do respond to, to social media because they, they, they know that's it. going everywhere. They're watching that. 
Okay. And That's I, an idea. I mean, do I have any legal recourse with these people? Well, yeah, I mean, beyond that, you know, once you've gone through the warranty process and all, and they just don't do anything for you, number one, you could call the Better Business Bureau because they don't want complaints there. Beyond that, you have to get an attorney and follow it up as a legal issue. And okay. you might even go online and just see if other people are having this same problem because there may even be basis for a class suit here somewhere. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't think they can just tell you, oh, this is a certain kind of gas pump. Now, wait a minute. You built the car. Why is no other cars on the road having trouble with this? Right, right. I mean, I got an old 05 Buick. I go to whatever gas station I go to. I've never had a problem. Yeah, but, I don't have a problem with my other cars. So. Yeah, and when people come in with that problem, generally we're finding issues in the EVAP system, either a plug charcoal canister, a bad vent valve, or something like that. We do get that complaint a lot, and we do repair it a lot. But okay. uh, it's, it's generally going to be a repairable thing. It's, it's not normal for the car. Is that a few hundred bucks to repair if I wanted just to do that? On a Mercedes, I wouldn't have a clue. It could be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if a charcoal canister on a Chevrolet is 400 bucks, I can imagine a Mercedes is probably 1000 <laughs> All right. All right. I got you. All righty. All right. Thanks for the help. All right, Dan. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. Bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. I'll catch a few more of these calls for our first break. We've got Richard online. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a 07 GMC. It's got three-quarter ton, 6.0. It's a loaded-up truck, but uh-huh. I got one of them work beds on it. Okay. I carry a lot of junk around. Mm-hmm. Right. And on that gas mileage thing, it usually says 12.2, 12.4, around in there. Okay. So I decided I was going to try some of this no-ethanol high-test gas. Mm-hmm. Man, it dropped to a little over 10. I said, well, it must have been something wrong. So I tried about three tanks. And then I went back to the old cheap gas, and I'm back up to twelve four, twelve five again. Huh. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot no, of sense. Now, the only thing I can think of, see, that's a calculation. That's not actual fuel mileage that you're getting. Oh, yes. No, it, I it's calculated that. that. It could be the change just did something. You may have to go in and reset something if you go use additional fuel. Did you happen to manually check what the mileage was rather than just read the little gauge thing? No, sir. You might just try. I mean, theoretically, the way it works – Alcohol is 33% less energy by volume. So if you put 10% ethanol in your fuel, you should drop 3.3% because it's 3.3% less energy in it. And if you go with a full gasoline mix, then you're going to go up. But again, it depends, I guess, on where the gasoline is coming from. If it truly is what they say it is, I mean, I'm not saying they're lying about it, but who knows? We've got a test method. We can tell you how much alcohol content you got in your fuel. You could have it tested or something like that. Because, I mean, theoretically, your mileage ought to go up when you go to a pure gasoline mix. Well, I burned three tanks yeah, through it. It's very and unusual. It's, I mean, for the price of the difference to fill up a tank, mm-hmm. I'm cheaper with this dollar and 64 cents a gallon regular. Yeah. And that, it's not that much difference. You know, the truck's made to run, so I'm just going to stay with that burn yeah. Yeah. gas. Wh- whichever, whichever one gives you the better results. But the biggest bang for your buck, I believe, is <laughs> You got it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. And we're going to go back to the lines with John. Oh, I'm sorry, John, I cut you off. If you can call right back, I'll put you straight up at the top of the list. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Lewis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. 
Lewis, it's your nanny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> ho, 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 Lewis. Fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Hi, it's John from Toronto, Canada, calling. Hi, John. Sorry to cut you off first time. Uh, yeah, I thought so. It went dead. And yeah, I hit the wrong button. button. <laughs> yeah, Lewis and his big Brian fingers. Says you, Brian says those buttons aren't big enough for They're you. They're not. I got big fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that phone needs to be about wanna... twice as big as it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling to thank you and to reinforce the people in Baton Rouge to make sure they go and get their service at your place because my daughter has a GMC Acadia that's only got 60,000 miles on it, it's an mm-hmm. 07, and she took it into a place and they gave her an estimate of over $2,000 to fix it. And I said, well, don't do it. I'll take it to a guy that I know that's a little independent guy. Mm-hmm. They wanted to put struts in. It was going to be $1,000 wow. for front struts. Wow. And, you know, it's 60,000 miles. And mm-hmm. then also brakes. And they wanted, like, over $500 plus our tax at 13% mm-hmm. on top mm-hmm. to fix that. And, and there was a muffler in that. But the two I mentioned, I went to the small shop, and I remembered what you said about them seeping. So I had the guy, I crawled up in underneath with him and mm-hmm. looked, and one of them was just seeping a bit. He yeah. said, oh, you don't need to replace those. No. And I'd heard you say that on the show, and that saved 1000 right there. Well, there you go. And then the brakes. I knew that you said you just put soap and water and clean the disc. I've been washing them sure that they're not warped. Mm-hmm. We took it around the block, and it had a tiny little vibration. I said, that's okay. We're going to leave it. He put brand-new AC Delco pads on it, mm-hmm. and it was perfect. And the whole bill was $200. There you go. <laughs> Instead of $1,400. Yeah, so yeah. I owe you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ever get down there, i got to buy you dinner anyway. <laughs> I'll sure take you up on that. <laughs> All right. All right, John. That's all I wanted. Have a happy holiday. Thanks, Thank Colin, John. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Uh-huh. I two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, you know John makes a good point. We get that quite a bit. We I had a gentleman in earlier this week, and he had gone for a quick oil change at one of these dealerships. Came out with a estimate for eighteen hundred dollars yep. worth of needed repair, and some of it was definitely needed, but. Most of it really wasn't or, right. or certainly didn't need it to the extent they were recommending. We fixed everything that it took to make the car safe and, and drivable and, and all that. It was about 300 bucks. Yeah, so how about that? Big spread between 1800 and $300, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, if something doesn't sound right, and this is particularly if you go in for a service, like, say, an oil change, uh-huh. you're not having symptoms, you're not having problems, and they hand you this huge estimate. Yeah suggestion or whatever you want to call it i guess when especially if you didn't ask for a full inspection of the vehicle right you just went in for an oil change you went in for an oil change and that's a dead red flag right there you need to go and get a second opinion sure and i've always said a free inspection is worth far far less than what you paid for it oh yeah 
Because why would you want to go to someone who will only be paid if you if find, find something, something wrong? wrong. <laughs> exactly. You know, find a good, legitimate shop. Pay them for a full general inspection. Full general inspection, done right, takes every bit of an hour. Mm-hmm. And most shops are probably in the 90 to $100 an hour range somewhere. Right. So you're probably going to pay 90 to to $100 somewhere. Get a full, legitimate general inspection. And what I recommend with that is once a year go in. Just pick a month, whatever right. month you like. Whatever's convenient once, yeah, for you. Once a year, have the car inspected. Beyond that, all these, well, you need this, you need that, you need the other, that's probably worth a lot less than what you paid for it, which was nothing. But, of course, if you have a symptom in between your inspections, you have to have that check. If it starts shaking or vibrating or making a strange noise. But beyond that, you're not very likely to need a whole lot. Well, and that's the easiest way to find a shop that you can get along with and, and understand. They understand you and you understand them. Well, that's right. And, you, you know, just by getting your car checked once a year, mm-hmm. you start a relationship yep. with mm-hmm. this company mm-hmm. and you can tell right, right away if they're legit or if they're not. Pretty easily. So... You don't have to wait till you have a problem, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're stuck with Joe Blow on Saturday afternoon. That's right, he's because the he's the only one open. And right. you and I were speaking a little bit before the show came on about the holidays and how many people travel this time oh, of yeah. year. And you don't want to wait until the day before your vacation to go that's, get your car checked. That's almost the worst time. Yeah, it is, because if they find a pending problem, number one, you at very least, if it can't be fixed right then and there, you're plans are going to be delayed or are you going maybe, to have to rent a vehicle to yeah go, whatever which is an added expense and and so what you want to do is have this service done on a fairly regular basis if you want to time it before you go on vacation well sometime in the couple of weeks before you go on vacation but don't wait till the day before you leave right you know number one if they do make a repair i don't care everybody in the world tries to do the best possible job they can but when you go in and make a major repair sometimes things can go wrong sure things can slip through the cracks whatever parts delays well not only that but let's say you get a defective part a brand new oem part you put it on this happens particular every day. part happened to be defective well now you're halfway from between here and who knows where, who knows where and <laughs> exactly. that part fails so if you have the repair done two three weeks ahead of time you have some time to drive it around Weed right. out any kind of problem. And nobody wants problems. Nobody wants, you know, everybody does their best to avoid them. But the reality of life is things happen. Yeah, that's right. Stuff so happens. you don't wait to the last minute before you're ready to leave on your vacation to go get the car checked. Well, not only that, you got an added expense right before you leave that you could put back maybe a few weeks before that. Well, that's so you right. you kind of recover. Kind of recoup or, or right. change your vacation plans sure. possibly. Depending on what, what is found. The, yeah, because if you say you, you go in and you're really not having a problem and come to find goes drop the pan of service transmission and there's a snap ring laying in the pan, well. Right. That's not a vehicle you want to leave town. Yeah, in. you don't want to go on the road with this thing. If you have to shell out three Gs for a transmission, right. you may have to stay four days at Disney. <laughs> instead of five. Instead of 12 like you're planning. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe move to a moderate instead of a. Uh, there you go. Instead of a deluxe resort or whatever, but at least if you do it and you've got a little bit of notice, you right. have time to adapt and make plans. Let's go back to our phone lines with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, hello. I got a, have you ever heard of a question? Uh, okay. I got a 06 Silverado, mm-hmm. and when you get it up to operating temperature, you stop at a red light, you hear a little ticking in the, under the dash. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I did was turn the radio off, mm-hmm. see like what it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe it was a fan doing that, you know, blower. Turned everything off, it was still doing it. Okay. Went like that for about a week, and then one day I was messing around there trying to figure it out. 
and I bumped up the thermostat mm-hmm. and it quit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, know. So I figured yeah. there was the water slipping by. The, no, uh, nope, nope. <laughs> we get well, it. That's we, why I called because yeah. that's what I figured it was the water slipping by. No, the got an actuator. Or it's actually got four actuators under the dash, and one of the four is going out, and it's trying to find its home position. So it'll click, 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 yeah. click, click. Yep. And usually it'll shut off after a while, maybe after 30, 40 seconds or whatever. The computer will just shut it down. Not always, but most time it'll shut down. What's going to happen next, Steve, is you're either going to put it on heat on the coldest day of the year and it's going to start blowing air conditioning on you, or <laughs> in the middle of August when it's about 100 degrees out, you're going to kick It's not quite cool enough. You'll kick that AC down. It's going to start blowing 100 degree heater air on you. Mm. So it needs to be fixed. It's not a. Depending on which actuator it is, I was say, it depends. Yeah, the left side, the left front, is the one that goes out the most, and it's the easiest to change. It's about an hour's job to change it. You got to take a few covers off, and you got to kind of blindly reach underneath the dash and feel around for the screw. You got to have a special bit and yeah. a special oh, ratchet to, to take yeah. it out. <laughs> right, it can be done fairly easy. Fairly easy. The right side is a little more difficult, and in the two others, there's a what they call a recirculation actuator, and then there is a mode actuator. Those are bare. you got to take a good part of the dash out to get to those. Mm-hmm. But ironically, those give less problem than the others. Most of the time when it starts doing that, it will generate a code, and the code will be in the body control module. Right. You can't go get a part re- a part store code reader and, and get it. It's not going to turn the light on on a it dash. It won't turn the light on or anything like that. Right. But I can go in with a Tech 2 or the later model GM tool, and I can bring it up. I can go to the body module ping it and i can bring up the codes because generally when it's losing its home position it's going to generate a code and that will be it's called a manufacturer's code so it doesn't turn a light on or anything but it'll be in memory and so you can tell which one it is from that well i'll be seeing y'all because homie don't go under the day <laughs> i understand <laughs> i do not blame you i got a guy at the shop he is great at that that's right it is not me yeah <laughs> I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at that age where i'm wearing them bifocal yeah oh and yeah when you get upside down on the dashboard oh yeah what? Oh yeah, yeah, and I never could work. Under, I never could I, work under I, dash. I neither. neither could Brian. So I, between two of us, but we got. I get dizzy spells under that. Yeah, I got one guy that is real good at that. He likes doing it, and he uh, yeah, he'll pull the whole yeah. dash out and <laughs> all that. He's good at doing it. So well, I'll call y'all. All righty, all right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we would absolutely love to have you. And that's a fairly common issue. It is that. I find GM has it more than everybody. We see it sometimes on Ford. Every once in a while, you even see it on Toyota, but right. most GM. common on GM. Right. So, hey, we're going to take one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year, we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Lewis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. Hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco, after 40 years, it's still the place to go. Noise off the river. 
Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We certainly appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you have a question, why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291 6901. And you put a 225 in front of that number. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. And if John can call away from Toronto, Canada, there you then go. You can call from Ohio or wherever, wherever. you are. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's right. I get so many emails over the the week and you're a lot of them i always want to go, well, call yeah then call because <laughs> we love talking to people you know? oh yeah now's the time especially people from different areas just kind of find out some of the things up north and like last week i was off not really far up north we're up in virginia uh-huh and we stopped off in gatlinburg tennessee right got up that monday morning and it was 22 degrees out wow which yeah, that's just normal yeah, no, November normal weather for them. Of course, right. we don't really see 22 degrees down here a whole lot, even not in the middle, hardly. not even in February. You know, you might might get a day occasionally that goes down that low, but not very often at all. So, but yeah, that's pretty much just normal. And, old, yeah, vehicles react differently in different climates and different altitudes. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. And we were talking just before the break about having your car ready to go on vacation and mm-hmm. so on as that. And when I left for this trip, roughly a 3,000-mile round right. trip, I didn't even have to check my car because right. I maintain go. it regularly. And so the point is, if you regularly maintain your car, then it is ready for whatever you might need to do. And, and not only that, if you have an emergency and you have to leave town, that's right. you can jump in that vehicle and go, I, I have no trouble. I've got a truck at home. I have no trouble jumping in it and driving to Nevada if I wanted to. That's right, if you need to. If I need to. And down here, we get the hurricanes and all that, not this time of year, but during the summer months. Uh And that's a big deal because luckily a hurricane is not like a tornado where it just pops up with no warning. Generally, we have got got a week's warning. Yeah, a week worth of warning and at least a couple of days, even if it's turned, gotten worse and whatever. But the point is, if your car is ready to go, because things like that do happen. Sure. And you may have to leave the area for whatever reason. I mean, there could be a chemical spill in your area. Right. Who knows? You may have to evacuate the area. If you drive your car until its tank is empty, well, I'll get gas tomorrow. Well, suppose something happens in the night. Exactly. you got an empty tank. If there is a big disaster in your area, most likely all the gas stations are going to be closed. Or plugged up with people that or have waited. plugged up with other people right. who have not gotten yeah, gas. I, I don't like to, to run a tank low and have to wait, rely on getting up in the morning because you never know. I mean, the alarm clock may not go off right. or well, You tom- just never know tomorrow morning. Tomorrow's not a promise, man. Yeah, said, tomorrow may not come. You know? <laughs> right. But I generally, when my tank gets to around a half, uh-huh. I'll start looking for a gas station, next convenience station. I'm not going to just drop in the middle of what I'm doing. But right. I even... I know we get cars in the shop all the time. They bring their car in for repair and the low fuel lights on. That's right. I can't do that to a vehicle. I no. just, I've seen what it causes. Well, not only is it inconvenient for you if you run out, but many, many cars, you can damage the fuel pump just running out of gas one time. Sure. If you run it out of fuel a single time, you're going to do damage to your fuel pump. Running it low may even damage it. Sure, because what it does, the fuel keeps the pump cool right that's so the, the, the coolant for the pump is the, the fuel it's all around it it's sunk down the pump is actually submerged, submerged in the fuel and mm-hmm. that's what keeps it cool it also keeps the head pressure so the pump doesn't have to work as that's hard. right the weight of that fuel in the tank is pushing into the pump which provides a preliminary pressure so the pump doesn't have to work nearly as hard and if it's got a full tank of fuel it does not have to work nearly as hard to maintain fuel pressure as when it's got a low tank and it's 
really sure. pulling hard. And not to mention the air that is sitting in a low tank. Right. That air is going to condensate with temperature. Yeah. It just can't help it. Right. And then you're going to start mixing a little bit of water in, in with, with the fuel. fuel. Right. It's just no reason for that when That's you can right. keep a full tank well, it or half a tank. And I've had people tell, well, I can't afford to do it. Well, it doesn't cost one bit more to keep a tank full than it That's does it. to run it to empty and fill it up again. Exactly. It and costs and so much per gallon, and the number of gallons you're going to burn is exactly the same. So It doesn't cost as much to go to the gas station. You may go more often. You may go more often. But it's not going to cost as much. If you keep a, a half a tank. Well, it's going to cost considerably less than buying a fuel pump, I can assure you. Right. <laughs> Definitely. You'll never save enough to buy a fuel pump. No, because a lot of fuel pumps are in the 400 to $500 range, some plus are, installation. There some are, are some more. of them that are over $1,000 That's right. for a fuel pump. I know we bought one for a Toyota Tundra uh, not too long ago, and it was about $900 for that fuel pump. Right. So, yeah, it can be a very, very significant cost. Why don't you just try to do yourself a favor and prevent exactly. problems? Which is sort of what we're talking about with everything else today is preventing problems rather than waiting until something happens and then addressing it. Right. It's drive to break is not what you want to do. Yeah, run to fail. Right. And there's just any number of instances with that. This week, of course, the temperatures have gone down right. for us fairly low. It's probably in the 50s, maybe some 40s at night, maybe even some high 30s. Inevitably, when we get to work Monday, there's going to be two or three people who will come in with transmission problems of one sort ranging from well all of a sudden all the fluid leaked out or well i put it in reverse reverse and it made a noise and now it won't move and those problems started right there it was an instantaneous problem when it broke however the events leading up to that failure did not happen all at once right it may have all occurred at once but what happens is the car has say one hundred and twenty thousand miles the transmission has never been serviced so the fluid is dirty. The viscosity on the fluid has gotten thicker because it's full of debris and what have you. The additives have dissipated because they go away in time. When the temperature is cold outside, the engine is going to idle much faster than it does normally because it wants to build all pressure and do all these things. A cold engine runs a lot less efficiently than a warm engine, so they have to idle it up to keep it from dying. So the idle may be at 1,100 to 1,500 RPM. Whereas during the summer, it was 600, yeah, maybe 600, whatever. You hop in the car, you're running late for work, you slam it in reverse, this thing's idle real high, the fluid pressure is very high because of the thick fluid, and wham, something breaks. Sure. Well, now you got a great, very big problem. The point is, had you maintained this vehicle, then this most likely could have been headed off. Mm-hmm. It might have avoided it completely just with a simple service. And that's the entire reason to do maintenance. We talk about this all the time on the show, maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. And there is only one reason truly to do maintenance. That's right. And that's because it costs less to maintain it than it does to repair it. That's exactly right. What you're doing is spending a little bit of money to prevent something that costs a whole lot of money. Exactly. Example might be a fuel filter if vehicle is equipped with a replaceable fuel filter. Which I don't think many of them are Not anymore. too many anymore, but a lot of the earlier ones were. And yep. you would change the fuel filter because it is a sacrificial element, and it prevents damage to the fuel injectors. Correct. Because fuel filters were cheap and injectors were not. So that was one example. Another that is kind of catches a lot of people by surprise is what they call the cabin filter. A lot of people do not realize their vehicle has a cabin filter. That's a filter that filters the air going into the evaporator core. And it is exactly like the filter on your air conditioner at home. 
you know, if you go in there every two or three months and you pull that filter out, you'll see it's just about plugged up. Right. Because a lot of air goes through it. It is the exact same thing with your cabin filter in your car. It does the exact same job. That's right. And they get, I mean, inordinately dirty oh, I, very, I, very quickly. I've seen them so plugged up that you can't see the pleats in them anymore. That's right. You and can take and throw a, a row of corn in them and probably grow, <laughs> grow corn. Grow right? corn stalks right. out of them. We get cars in sometimes, and people will say, my blower won't blow as hard as it used to. The car's right. not getting cool. They'll just say, my air conditioner's not cooling like it used to. And what you feel is that you're not getting the volume of air moving through. Pull that filter out, and it's completely plugged up. Because what happens is uh, these things are supposed to be changed. Most cars, I think, around every 15,000 miles, they recommend right. it, which is probably once a year for the average Some person. People. Now, another couple of things that can happen is that when this filter restricts, you get less airflow across the evaporator core. Now, the way air conditioning works is that you have a high-pressure liquid going out this line. It hits an orifice tube, turns into a low-pressure. When it does, it flashes, and that's what absorbs the heat in the car. But as it goes through the evaporator, it starts turning back into a liquid again. Now, if you do not get enough airflow across this evaporator core, this refrigerant may turn into a liquid and start to go through the core because it's not totally flashing into a gas. If that liquid goes out of the evaporator core, they've engineered a device in there called an accumulator. Correct. And that's where it'll catch whatever liquid, allow it to flash back to a gas before it goes to the compressor. However, when you have a totally restricted cabin air filter, or worse yet, let's say your blower motor goes out on your car so it won't blow. Mm -hmm. But to get a little cold air, what you do is you turn the AC on anyway, and when you go down the road, you get a little bit of flow through there, and it kind of cools the car off. You let a little bit of that liquid, in fact, one drop of that liquid go back to that compressor and liquids won't compress correct so when those little pistons come up and hit that liquid it's just like grenading an engine that's right it is not going to be pretty <laughs> now, now that, that compressor is going to come apart and when it does it's going to go in about a million little slivers and pieces which is going to be put forced through the rest of the system which contaminates the entire contaminates system after that every single piece of the system the very best thing you can hope for is it'll break the belt throw right. the belt off. I've seen like Chevy pickup trucks, I've seen them throw a belt off and break the tensioner. But uh -huh. when they do that, when enough force is applied to the compressor to break that belt and throw that it's tensioner, too late. you've probably done some internal damage. Oh, yeah. You bent something inside the compressor. may not fail that day, but is likely going to fail. And when a compressor fails, it's not a matter of changing the compressor. It's virtually, you're going to change almost every, every piece of the system. Right. You might be able to flush out the evaporator core. If not, then the entire dash has to come out. And right. I tell you, that that's a sight to walk in that's there and right. open the door and look at the back of the firewall. That's right. That's not something you want to see, no. especially if you're paying for it. Exactly. <laughs> and all of that, the point is, is just about preventable in many, many, many cases. The things that kill AC compressors, probably, in my opinion, number one is a plugged up cabin air filter or a plugged right. up evaporator core. Number two is maybe a plugged-up condenser on the outside. Number three is allowing a belt to wear out to where it's slipping and generating heat in the compressor. But, again, going back to our topic at hand, all of these things are generally preventable if you do the maintenance on the car. Exactly. And it's impossible to remember all these things. There's when do I change the belt, when do I service transmission, when do I do this. So rather than trying to remember, okay, at this many miles I do this, at this many miles I do this, at this many miles I do this, just bring the car in once a year, and that way they're going to tell you all the things you need. Hey, you hadn't done this. You haven't done this. We need to do this. We need to do this. Give you a list. That way you can prepare for it. You can start heading off problems rather than just paying 
to fix. Exactly. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Louis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we still got several minutes left to get you an answer to whatever might be ailing you. That's it. There you go. Now's the time. That's it. We're going back to our followers of Sheila. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. How are you? Doing today? wonderful. Doing very well. I need to get your opinion, which I value. You've helped me over the years. Okay. I have a 2003 Ford Explorer. Mm -hmm. It has 181,000 miles, which I put all of those on there. Mm -hmm. my, my car is at a shop right now, and I got the estimate, and I wanted to get your opinion on whether or not I should get it fixed mm -hmm. or try to find another vehicle. These are the things that they tell me are wrong with okay. it. Okay. Replace the thermostat gasket upper and lower housing. Mm -hmm. That's which pretty, is 500. Very, pretty common. very common on that car, yes. Yep. Okay, that's 500. Mm -hmm. Replace the radiator is almost 800. Yes, ma'am. Cooling flush, 170. Mm -hmm. um, then the other big ticket item is to replace the ball joint lower front. Yeah, again, uh, all those are pretty, pretty common. common on a vehicle with that many miles. Okay, and the control arm. Upper. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the upper and the link stabilizer bar. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And brake pads, rotors. So it, it, it's just, you know, all close to $4,000. Yes, ma'am. What I would recommend, Sheila, before you make that kind of an investment is find someone that you trust, have them do a general inspection on the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Because the reason being, let's say these are the only things that are wrong with your car. Well, you can't really buy another car for $4,000. You know, you're going to spend 40000 for another car. But if you've got other problems pending, and it's why you need someone that you can trust and someone right. that is thorough enough to tell you everything. Right. Let's say he checks it and says, well, you know, the clutch volume index on the transmission is excessive, which means we've got a lot of wear on your transmission. Mm -hmm. The pressures in your air conditioner are not right. So we prompt, you know, well, then no, no, there's no sense in putting that much money into a car right. that old that's approaching the end of its life. Right. But again, let's say that you check it and the rest of the car is in perfect shape. Well, then I just don't think you can buy another car. I mean, a used car now is probably $20,000, probably $2,000 sales tax on a used mm -hmm. car. Right. That's right. half the amount of repair right there. If you buy a new one, you're spending 
forty forty five thousand. That's the amount of repair just in sales tax. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but if you buy a newer vehicle, you're going to have to change your insurance on it. Right. Because if you finance it, you're going to have to carry full coverage where you may not be carrying full coverage. You may just on have liability on this one. So that's right. another, no, I, another I do have full coverage. Okay, but you're great. Right. Great. Right. The value goes up. It, it doesn't. You're sure right. a more expensive piece of property. Right. And the newer vehicles just inherently are more expensive to maintain than the older ones. Most new vehicles right. require synthetic oil changes, so that costs more. They have much larger tires, which costs a whole lot more. You've got a lot of technologies on them. I mean, we get cars in every day. We had a car in the other day. The trunk lid wouldn't close. Well, just the trunk lid pull-down mechanism was $690. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, yeah right. the newer cars are way more expensive to maintain than the old ones were. So I can't give you a firm answer without seeing the car, but I would say get a good general inspection from someone you trust, and that way you'll have your answer right there. You can invest just a little bit of money to stop, you know, to prevent making a big mistake either way. Okay. Louis, you give me your number, or oh, I can I could just look it up. Yeah, just go to our website. Um, it's com, and it's okay, got everything you need that. in there. Maybe I can just call and, and call have Monday it morning. Told, have it towed to your place to get uh, an estimate. I mean, well, a yes, ma'am. We can do a full inspection, and if it right. needs repair, we can do all those repairs as well. All righty. Well, th- thank you so much. All right, have a good day. Thank, thank you, you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye mm-hmm. bye. Bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. We're going to go back to our phones with CL. Good morning, CL. Good morning, young man. How yes, are you? Sir. Doing Both wonderful, you sir. This morning. Doing Good great, morning. sir. I wanted to thank you for your website, your mm. article on rodents. Okay. Mm. And recently I visited the shop mm-hmm. and some dollars later mm-hmm. made some repairs due to the rodents. I want to give you a success story. Caught my first one last night. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and he was sitting back to do what he was doing. Oh, before. absolutely. Yep. Rodents do what they do, and they do it's, it really well. Especially well, this time of year. Yeah, this time of year especially. They're looking for some place to get warm, and car engine that doesn't move, you know, a vehicle that doesn't move it provides them with shelter and a place to, to build a nest. And security. And security. That's, That's right. Because right. they can get into places in that car where no other varmints can get. Well, believe it or not, there was fresh droppings from my visit to your shop just yep. three days ago. Oh, yeah. And so last night I put out the traps for the first time mm-hmm. and got him. There you go. Well, uh, hopefully, I, hopefully I there's only just, one. Oh, no, no, no. We're gonna, <laughs> that is a nightly deal. There you go. I've noticed, I've noticed when you start seeing one, you usually have about five At least. that you don't see. Yeah. So okay. there's uh, going to be more I, than one. Well, we nixed the cat idea, but uh, the traps work fine. <laughs> Thank you, you gentlemen, very much right, for your You're time. Welcome. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You want to part of the automotive hour? That is a very timely topic. I'm glad CL brought it up because I hadn't thought about it. But this time of year when the weather starts to get colder, you'll start to see a lot more rodents, and rodents result in damage to the car. Sure. In fact, there's an article on my website. If you just go in there and type in the keyword rodent in the search bar, it'll right. bring up a real nice article that I wrote that's several pages on what they do, why they do it, and so on, and what you can do to prevent some of that. Mm-hmm. But there's a number of reasons that it increases this time of year. For one thing, the other prey gets harder to find because in the colder weather, well, most animals procreate during the spring so that they can raise their offspring and get them to a full size by this time of year. So there's Correct. not a lot of babies around, which are tend to be slower and easier targets. The predators that are out are looking harder. They're mm-hmm. looking more for rodents and such as that. So they have a harder job surviving. Other food sources start to dry, dry up. up. That's right. Some things hibernate and so on and so forth. So their security is a prime concern to them. Not only that, but food 
also dries up from them. Right. So they have to look harder for food and stuff. So they will tend to build nests in your vehicle, even cars in the same day that CL was in. We had another guy come in, same exact problem, right. and he drives car every single day. So it's not only cars that sit up. Daily drivers, they will get in there, they will chew things up, and they will cost you a lot of money. So go in on the website and just type in the word rodent into the search bar, and you'll find a nice article telling you what you can do about all those things. Let's go back to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. I didn't realize this was the Automotive Wildlife Show. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Question, though, you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. I have a 2005 Tahoe with a 5.2 engine in it. And the other day I was driving, stopped at a traffic signal. Mm-hmm. And when I went to accelerate off the light, I lost the. seemed like the torque converter had released itself. And it bumped a little bit before it jumped into gear. Yeah, most likely not the torque converter, David. Very, very common on that vehicle is what they call drive shaft clunk. And it'll feel almost like somebody bumped you from the back, like somebody ran in the back of your car. What it is, when you stop the vehicle, inertia wants to carry the weight of that car body forward, but the wheels are stopping. And Uh so it... It wraps the the leaf spring. The leaf springs actually twist. Yeah, our call springs, either one. It's going to twist... And when it does that, the drive shaft will plunge into the back of the transmission, which is what it's supposed to do. It moves oh, okay. in about an inch or so. But now what happens is that on that particular vehicle, the rear splines were just a little too roughly machined when they built the car. It'll bind. When you release the brake, boom, it pops back out, and you get that loud, characteristic knock. Uh-huh. The, the fix, there's a couple of things you can do. If it's severe, GM does make a nickel-plated yoke that i generally think costs too much and it's normally not necessary alternatively you can take the dry shaft out which is pretty easy to do and put a uh-huh. special synthetic grease on those splines not going to stop okay. it forever but it'll certainly stop it for a while and it's very inexpensive to do so we generally lube the dry shaft splines up and that gets rid of that problem almost every time what i like to uh-huh. do though before you take that dry shaft out is mark it to the yoke on the rear end so that uh-huh. way, that way, when you put it back together, you kind of put it back in the same, same place exact it was. Spot. Uh, okay. Some vehicles, it makes a difference. Most, it doesn't. Yeah, but, but you get a little vibration if something kind of doesn't get right. put exactly back where it was at. That and mm-hmm. the, the U-joints are turning maybe a little different pace or whatever right. if you move the position on old U-joints. So, yeah, it never hurts to put things back precisely the way they were. Right. But that takes care of that almost all the time. Year or two, it may come back. But, I mean, you can always pull it back out, grease it again. I know in my truck, about every two or three years, I have to pull it out and do it. But it's probably a half-hour labor charge, so it's not a big, Uh big deal. Okay, good. All righty. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Okay, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. All right. The trick is that synthetic grease. Yeah, and you got to be very careful because – you don't I've wanna, seen people say, I'm going to do a really yeah, good job, and they I'm just pack it in there. gob it in there because right. when that thing plunges forward, it has to have room, an air gap at the end of that exactly. chamber. And if you pack it up with grease, when it plunges forward, it'll pop the back of that yoke. It'll break the yoke because right. it's in a hydro lock at that point. Well, a lot of times, if you pack the yoke like that and try to put it back together, you mm-hmm. can't get it to go can't in far enough there. to put it back in the rear end. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is just put your light coat of grease all the way around the splines, and then slide it back in, and I like to work it a couple work times. Work it a few times to spread that grease out, mm-hmm. and then bolt it back to the rear end. Yeah, it like you said, it lasts two or three years, and then you know you're back. You'll notice it start it'll, coming it'll back. Eventually, and then, work its way back right, out of just there. Pull it back apart, put you some more grease in it, put right. it back together. And another thing, if you got an older vehicle like David's, it's 11 years old. That seal on the back of that transmission is kind of old and hard. Don't get real crazy yanking on that dry shaft. Right. And when you put it in, you have to guide it in real 
straight. You don't want to let the weight of the dry shaft hang on that old seal. Right. You'll, you may damage that damage seal. Damage seal, and you got a leak. Alternatively, you can replace the rear seal, and there's also a rear bushing back there. But to change that bushing, you need a special tool. Correct. Or you have to take the whole transmission apart and buy a tail housing. So a lot of times when we do it, we'll change the seal and the bushing because we've got the special tools to do it, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really cost a whole lot extra to get right. that done as well. Not a bad idea on a higher mileage vehicle. Keeps that little leak out. Right. From well, off. like everything we talked about today, it's a preventive measure, something you do to prevent something else that you don't want. Sure. So we're going to start winding it on up. we still got a few seconds to get on out. We don't have to give everybody a bum's rush. <laughs> Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and get some more people listening. If they have a written review right. area on your favorite broadcast service, give us a review. Please, please go out and fill it out for us. That's right. That'll move us up in the ratings so more people can hear us and we can keep on doing the show. A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.